And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. So farewell then to a season in which Tottenham Hotspur re-signed Gareth Bale, won 6-1 at Old Trafford, went top after 12 games, were knocked out of Europe by a team whose manager was in prison, dropped 12 points in the last 10 minutes of Premier League matches, launched a coup against the fabric of world football before folding 48 hours later, sacked Jose Mourinho, replaced him with Ryan Mason, were trolled by a Dulux dog, there it and is. had the man who finished top of both Premier League goals and assist charts and still somehow managed to finish 7th. So, was this Tottenham's worst season of the modern era, or just the strangest? My name is Jack Pitbrook, you're listening to the View from the Lane podcast. Today we are going to look back on the 2020-2021 season and celebrate the fact that Tottenham do not have an official game for another 12 weeks. I'm joined, as always, by James Moore. Hi, James. Hi, Charlie. Oh, I nearly called you Charlie, and I've given away who our special guest is. And by special guest, Charlie <laughs> Eccleshare. So good to have you back. Good to be back, yeah, despite James ruining, you know, the, the moment, but yeah. Ruining the surprise, yeah. yeah. We can do Jack's big intro again if you want. <sighs> no, fuck that. Uh, yeah, hi guys. <laughs> it was funny, Jack, listen, listening to that, it does take me back to our pre-season pod last year and saying, like, could this season be any weirder or wackier than last season? I think we said, you know, it would do really well to do that. But your intro there, I think it definitely has surpassed last season for strangeness and, and drama. Yeah, I mean, we, we got one sacking in each season, but and obviously last, last season I think felt more dramatic because obviously it had the COVID stoppage in the middle and not having fans felt very surreal and everything. Whereas this year... Dire in the stands. Yeah, whereas this year behind closed doors has become so much part of our natural life that it doesn't feel quite so odd anymore. And in terms of like events, I think this has been much more eventful even than last season. But it's over. And James, they ended in quite a good way, more or less. Yeah, I thought Spurs actually played quite well. They probably had two sort of maybe 15-minute periods of looking like they were all at sea. But I'd say generally, it was a pretty good performance. And you have to bear in mind that was against a team who had everything on the line. You know, they had Champions League qualification to play for. It wasn't like a end-of-season dead rubber for them. And they're clearly one of the better teams in the Premier League. So to, to go there and to, to win 4-2, and obviously there's some mitigation from their perspective in terms of like fatigue and the fact they were chasing the game at the end, which made you know it, it far easier for Spurs to score those two goals in the break. But I, I thought it was a it was a very good performance uh, over the over the course of 90 minutes. I mean, like I said, a couple of iffy spells, but generally pretty good. I think actually the fact that Leicester had so much to play for helped Spurs because, as you say, it yeah. meant that for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, they had to absolutely pile everyone forward and... That, that's when Tottenham like it, you know, that's when they've had sort of their best periods of the season. But yeah, no, they, I mean, it's, you know, it's a great result going away, winning that game, winning that game 4-2. I mean, do, do you, I was getting messages, James, from Spurs fans being like, fuck's sake, we've won this game. It means we're in the UEFA, UEFA Europa Conference League. Do you subscribe to that view or do you think, you know, European football is European football? Uh, I mean, going into that, 
game, my assumption, and Jack will verify this because I said it in the office last week, my assumption was that Spurs were going to finish ninth. I thought that they would lose this game and that Everton would get a result at Man City and that they'd end up finishing ninth and it would be like the ultimate humiliation to obviously to finish below Arsenal, which would have been the main thing there. Uh, so yeah, to, to win the game, to finish above Arsenal, which is, uh, you know, it is sort of not the most important thing, but uh, yeah, if you're a Spurs fan and particularly live in this part of the world, I'd say it is a pretty, it's a pretty big deal to finish above Arsenal five seasons in a row. And you know, uh, it could be laughed the Conference League, couldn't it? I mean, we've talked about it a couple of times and there are going to be some uh, interesting trips in there, but there are some proper clubs in there as well. Uh, I mean, I tweeted last night that Jose Mourinho's Roma are going to be there. There's a tweet that got a very interesting response from certain quarters of Twitter who I don't think ever leave their basement. Villarreal, obviously, Europa League finalists, unless they win the Europa League this season, in which case, obviously, they'll be in the Champions League. And, you know, there'll be other kind of decent-ish teams that will drop in Ren. from the Europa League. Rent, yeah. Union Berlin, the good trip. And I mean, that's a great trip, Berlin. Yeah. I'm more excited by the really random trips. That's what sort of um, appeals to CSK me. CSK Sofia, Hajduk Split. Ruben Kazan, Aberdeen, Trabzonspor. <laughs> Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Uh, Feyenoord, great trip. PAOK Athens, who Spurs played in the Europa League. I mean, Spurs have played a lot of these teams uh, in the Europa League in the last... Sorry, PAOK so. aren't an Athens team, are they? No, uh, Partizan yeah, Belgrade, Batty, Bor- Batty Borisov, Molder. Champions League legends, Batty Borisov. Yeah. I'd love to this play Batty Borisov. It's yeah, great. Bring it on. Barcelona have knocked Spurs out of Europe in the last, like, eight years, nine years. This podcast is a pro Europa Conference League podcast. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to take the piss. We're not going to not talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to get behind Spurs' campaign and we'll see you all in Tirana on the 25th of May, 2022. It's going to be great. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman and I'm here to tell you what The Athletic has planned across its podcast network during the Euros. My pod with David Ornstein will become the Athletics England show throughout the tournament to bring you all the latest news and insight from inside the England camp every single day. Then we'll also have nightly editions of the Totally Football Show, taking a look at all the big talking points from the competition and looking ahead to the next day's fixtures. Now, if you're feeling nostalgic for tournaments past, we've produced an eight-part documentary series that tells some fascinating stories from both on and off the pitch from the last eight euros elsewhere michael cox's zonal marking pod will offer an in-depth tactical breakdown of all the biggest games while adam hurry's football cliche show will take a look at the tournament's alternative storylines so as this never ending domestic season finally draws to a close we'll have plenty of euro 2020 coverage for you to enjoy as the tournament gets underway in just a couple of weeks time Let's talk about Gareth Bale quickly before we get too bogged down in reading out Conference League opposition. Uh, I thought Gareth Bale was really good again, James. When he came on, I thought he really made the difference. It's one of those Gareth Bale performances when you think, why, why didn't they just play him all season? That kind of was an illustration, I think, of how you use Gareth Bale over the over last yeah. couple of months. You know, you're like, you start him at, in home games against like the fodder and then you can chuck him on for the last 20, 25 minutes away to sort of semi-decent teams when the game has opened up and, you know, the two teams are chasing a goal. And, you know, you saw what happened. He... Well, he scored two goals, but he basically created the second one for himself with that run through in the middle. Mm. Um, I mean, I think the defending there was uh, also questionable. But yeah, c- clearly he's made a big difference in that game. And his future now, obviously, is going to be the subject of a lot of conversation. Probably not quite as much conversation as uh, as Harry Kane. 
I, I've rode back slightly on my enthusiasm for how, how how much Spurs to keep him next season, or how much I want Spurs to keep him next season. But I still think it would be worth it if they can get a, if they can get a good deal. Um, he's given this kind of slightly mysterious interview after the game. I don't, do you have the quotes there, Jack? Sorry, you, you read these to me before. Um, one second. This is top quality journalism again. God, I'm clicking the link on the independent website. I hate it. It's a good advert for the independent. Leave all this in, Tom. <laughs> okay. So after the game, James, uh, Bale said to Sky Sports, it just has to happen after the Euros. I know what I'm doing, but it'll just cause chaos if I say anything now. What do you reckon that means? I mean, I've I've seen the suggestion that that means he's going to retire at the end after the Euros. Quite what Real Madrid will make of that, given he's got another year on his contract. I'm not so sure. I mean, they might be happy with it if he's walking away from the money. But from things we've heard before, he he wasn't willing to walk away from that contract without payment. So, I, I mean, who knows? And, and maybe he's finally going to go to China now. Yeah, Jiangsu Suning are finally going to get their guy. That could mean anything because anything he said, he's right. Anything he says would cause cause chaos. I mean, in the age of internet aggregation, if he said even if he said nothing, it would probably still cause chaos. The fact that he's doing post, he refuses to be drawn. Exactly. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> Bale admits it's going to be a tough decision on his future would probably cause a degree of chaos. But yeah, I mean, I, I actually it's it's funny, James. You saying you've sort of softened on how much you want to keep him I, in the previous podcast I was on when we went through the keep sell I said I wouldn't keep Bale I was actually I think before he went on sort of one of his better runs and I got a bit of stick for that and obviously since then he has been on improved form but has also shown sort of his limitations I mean Tom Werville yeah. was tweeting he, he's got 1.27 non-penalty goals and assists per 90 this season which is more than any Premier League player with 900 plus minutes in any of the last three seasons which kind of tells you uh, what feels apparent that despite the fact that he's not what he was, he still is very, very capable of scoring goals and producing assists. I mean, yeah, I, I think what that tells you is he's being an effective squad player next season if they could do that deal. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you're going to be able to lean on him to start every single match. No. Um, you know, and we saw, you know, Leeds, I thought he was pretty bad. And Villa, I, I mean, the game was kind of getting away from Spurs, but I, I thought he wasn't particularly great then either. I know he only played for the last sort of 20, 25 minutes again. But, you know, I, I, we've said before, he's a moments player. He's, and, you know, Spurs have a few of those and maybe you can't have too many. But you can have a couple in your squad, can't you? I mean, I think particularly now they are going to be in Europe again. You know, they're going to need to have a slightly bigger squad than they otherwise might have done. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it would be a good... For Levy, I think it could be quite a good thing politically. To get, he's obviously a popular player, and we haven't seen him play in front of crowds. Well, I mean, t- two games: one in the Europa League where he went off after like an hour, and obviously the, the kind of twenty minutes he played at the end of the Villa game last week. So, having brought him in to be like a big sort of fan favourite, I've not really seen that much of him, and I wonder whether that might be a good political move for Levy. The other thing I had kind of thought about that in a political sense was if Potter is the manager, and this isn't me suggesting this is going to happen, but I know obviously he is one of the contenders. This is a crackpot theory, by the way, so don't take this too seriously. Roden played for Potter at Swansea, and from the impression I get is he's quite fond of him. So if Potter comes in, Roden is immediately on side with Potter, and that he'll take the rest of the Welsh Mafia with him. <laughs> Bale, obviously, if he's there, would be like a massive dressing room influence and like a massive character in the dressing room. So immediately he'd have like his feet under the table with that little clique. And then that's way it massively increased your chances of getting like the dressing room on side if you've got Gareth Bale there and he's like in your corner. 
And then how Robson Carnu comes in as the sort of Kane replacement and it's all yeah. suddenly coming together. All falls into place. But I do think on Bale, like he's quite a good example maybe of why some fans don't want to be in the Conference League because the Conference League is, uh, you know, the, the benefit of it is that you do get these free weeks. And if you've got someone like Bale, that feels really useful. And I'm not saying Gareth Bale would be playing, you know, every game in the Conference League where he'd stay. But if, they, if Spurs do go deep in that, there will come a point where... It becomes a bit of a choice. Well, do we play Bale, Wren away or do we play him on the Sunday uh, against Leeds or whatever it is? And that's maybe, you know, it might have clarified the new manager's mind and made it a bit easier for him if you don't have to do such a juggling act, um, which that Thursday, Sunday creates. Yeah, I do think like rebuilding the squad and if we're saying we're going to have to have a big squad rebuild, like doing that in a year you're not in Europe is actually slightly easier because you can cut the thing right back and just have like, 22 senior players if that rather than kind of you know 25 26 like I suppose I've had the last few years yeah and it's much easier to like you know let go of Sissokos and Lamellas and whoever if you're only playing once a week for most of the season as a fan or as a reporter I think it's great in a way that you'll have that you'll have some kind of strange zany uh, matches but I do think I find it hard to see a huge advantage from a football perspective in the sense that it's not going to make them very much money I don't think winning it is you know I don't think it's going to be like in negotiations that helpful to say to a player coming in like, oh we're in the conference league you know that's that's good um, yeah, 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 yeah. I kind of think having those three weeks would just be so beneficial we've seen with Conte's Chelsea with Leicester and they won it with Rogers Liverpool but yeah you know it, it, it hopefully it will it will at least be fun I mean they should definitely predominantly be using it to like develop you know like Play skips to be playing yeah, in yeah, those yeah. games yeah like Sessignon uh, um, Scarlet you know, Divine I don't know, whether guys. you even give like yeah players like Scarlet Divine and White Imperative he's there and yeah. he's not going out of nine or whatever those kind of players should be getting minutes in that competition definitely Listeners to The View From The Lane can subscribe to The Athletic right now with a 40% discount. You can read all our articles on Spurs, including my piece from after the final game of the season on why responsibility needs to be shared between Jose Mourinho, Daniel Levy and the players themselves for their very disappointing season. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod to sign up. The big story of the week really has been Harry Kane, who, since our last podcast, James, has uh, speculation about his future has really grown, uh, first with that story on Sky Sports News and then with Kane's interview with Gary Neville. Of course, after the Aston Villa game on Wednesday night, Kane walked slowly around the outskirts of the pitch, waving to all the fans. Some people took that to mean he was saying goodbye. Other people took that to just to mean a lap of appreciation. Uh, there was, I think, similar amounts of overreading into what happened at the end of the game yesterday, where he was getting hugs of all the Spurs players, and people on Twitter were saying, "Oh, they're goodbye hugs," or "No, they're congratulations on winning the Golden Boot hugs." Yeah, it caused chaos. Him, him walking slowly around a pitch, so you can see what yeah. Bell's getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will cause um, chaos on football fancasts or whatever that site is. That's true. Yeah, but clearly he does want to go. I mean, that you know, this is something that we reported back on. The- 10th of April, but is now um, very widely accepted and not denied by anyone involved. James, how are you? What's your current sense of the situation? And, and how how did you feel watching those kind of Kane possible goodbye scenes over the last few days? Uh, yeah, I mean, I do think, I mean, I think the reality of the one at the end of the Villa game is probably like, well, I should probably kind of, you know, do this just in case this is my last game. Right, I mean that—that's kind of seems like Due a logical diligence. mindset for someone. To, well, it seems like a logical mindset, and he's not done anything like that. He wouldn't have done anyway. 
I don't think he's done anything yeah. massively different to what he would have done at the end of any other season in any other situation. So probably, uh, yeah, I think a little bit too much has been read into that. Uh, and I, I thought the one yesterday uh, was, was it not, It looked to me like it was Deli Ali telling him he'd won the golden boot and then they were hugging him because like, he whispered something in his ear, didn't he? Yeah. It's kind of looked like thought. that was what it was. I mean, look, uh, obviously he wants to go. Everyone knows he wants to go. Yeah. If he's leaving, Deli Ali and Son are going to see him again. <laughs> like, <you> know, that, <laughs> if that, is, that wasn't like the last they were going to see of him. They had that coach journey home back to London after the game for starters. That wasn't like last day he of, was going to be whished off. Last day of school. It's not like... It's not like Mourinho leaving Inter, is it? He's after the Champions League final. He's not going to like go off in a car to Real Madrid training ground while the Inter team flew back to Milan or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, he, he's they're not going to like you know be back at the training ground probably today. I mean, it's not like they go off on holiday like straight away, is it? I mean, they'll be like sort of debriefs and whatever, right? Yeah, I think so. so. It must be sure. But also, like the, the the reality is surely that the it's still yet to be decided. You know, so like he wouldn't know whether it was a final goodbye. Or not yet. There's just no way he knows. It's like, not up to him. Exactly. Well, that yeah, will, exactly. Yeah, that will become clearer in the next few weeks. So as much as we might want to see it, it wouldn't. It couldn't be based on on reality of what's what's about to happen because that isn't yet known. So clearly, that story's going to run and run all the way through the summer. I think. I don't think we're going to get any resolution anytime soon. It's ultimately not up to Harry Kane. It's it's up to the clubs who would want to bid on him and Daniel Levy to come to an agreement and I don't think that will happen anytime soon if at all one thing that I think we should get slightly quicker resolution on is Tottenham's search for a new head coach which has obviously been rumbling along for the last few weeks now I think they're getting closer and closer and closer no name yet James but I think and I wrote this a few days ago that the leading candidates at the moment are probably Eric Ten Hag and Ralph Rangnick there was a lot of talk about Nuno Espirito Santo the other day but that it, it, it will not be him. Um, how are you feeling, James? Would you like a kind of a different guy or are those candidates good enough for you? Uh, uh, I, I've not built up any more enthusiasm about uh, either of those two over the last what, three or four weeks. You, you've asked me this like every week for the last I know, yes, I know I have. <laughs> um, how about now? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I... I I've got to say, I, I'm leaning more, to, and I know you've said he's not one of the leading candidates now, but I'm, I'm leaning more towards Potter the longer time goes on. And not just because of my Roden theory. I, I, I don't know, there's something about, there's something about Potter. The more, the more I hear and read about him and from him, like, the more impressed I am, the more I think actually he could be the guy, like, you know, if they're going to scrap the whole thing and start again, which it looks like maybe they're effectively going to have to do. Like someone with that kind of vision might be a better bet than someone who's more of a kind of has a, has a shorter term approach. So, Potticino. Who? Potticino. That's what hmm. they're calling him. Christ. I'm actually changing my mind. I don't want Potter now. Save me from that. Does it feel like a bit of a. Like, there, I, I have the sense that there are sometimes when you replace a manager when there are loads of really exciting names about. Um, and it's sort of cyclical. And I, I feel like this isn't really one of those times. It doesn't feel like there's anyone. You know, like you say, James, with Potter, you've kind of warmed the idea over, you know, three weeks of this discussion. But it's not like he that he jumped out at you or something like, yeah, I really, really want him at my club. In the way that like a few years ago, there was, you know, a Pochettino or Klopp and people like that. Even like Allegri, who, you know, was at Juve and then was available. He he was always linked and I think fans were fairly excited by it. Doesn't, doesn't feel like there are that many around at the moment. Yeah, I, I think the frustrating thing is that we're, we're kind of talking about similar names and the exact same names in some cases as we were sort of mm. 2012 when ADB got the job or 2014 when Poch got the job. 
And obviously since then, they've had like four or five seasons in the Champions League, got to the European Cup final, been in like Premier League title races and whatever. And they're still sort of... The same calibre, you mean? Fishing in the same pond. Do you know what I mean? But effectively, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same. I, I, you know, you talk about Martinez, who was one of the people that was talked about in 12 and possibly 14. Rogers, obviously, in 2012. Yeah. And then, you know, sli- I mean, slightly more left field, although not really left field people. In this instance, like Raniak and Ten Hag. You know, obviously, we had... Frank De Boer, who was the Ajax manager at the time, I think was the other main candidate when Pochettino got the job. So it feels like it's just an incredibly similar, you know, they've been they've been for everything they've been for over the last seven mm. or eight years. And, and yet the managerial candidates seem to be roughly the same. And I don't know if that speaks for there being a bit of a dearth of like credible, exciting young coaches who have kind of proven what they can do. Yeah. Or the fact that Spurs have declined so much in the last two years that they're now not able to attract... Nagelsmann effectively but I think as well the fact yeah Nagelsmann went I also um, think that what's happened is that there's an increasing distrust of in inverted commas proven winners like Mourinho or Ancelotti guys like this who a few years ago for, for a club in Spurs position would have felt very appealing you know you, or, or even Allegri to an extent you know he, he was probably more in that mould and now, obviously, the Mourinho experiment went so badly at Tottenham. Ancelotti, Everton's been pretty underwhelming. I mean, and f- That is terrible, isn't it? That's gone really under the radar. Everton finishing 10th, yeah. having spent all that money, mm. and that is really bad. Yeah, not least on their manager and on a, an, again, proven winner. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think the, sh- the dial has slightly shifted as to what fans want from from an appointment. I agree. I think I, I also, I think James is right that it does, it does feel like there are fewer good candidates around uh, I was trying to think why this would be earlier. I've got two theories. One is that the stratification of football means that it's harder to find it's harder to find managers who've done the same job as the job that you would want them to do at your team. So, for example, hmm. uh, like the gap, the financial gap between Brighton and Tottenham is so big that I think it's legitimate to say, well, could Graham Potter manage players at the level of Son and Kane? Whereas if financial stratification wasn't so much of a thing, it would be easier just to go and pick a manager who'd done well at a different team. And I think that applies across all different leagues. And the other thing I think is just, I think that COVID has generally meant there's been a bit of a slowdown in terms of the building of teams, the churn of players, the churn of managers. And lots of people just seem a little bit stuck at their clubs at the moment, or teams are not really going through a rebuild they should be going through. And, uh, that's generally means that there are, I reckon that means there's fewer managers left in the marketplace than you would normally get at the moment because it does definitely feel like there just isn't really that many, there aren't that many good candidates out there for what should in theory be an incredibly attractive job like I know Tottenham have had a bad season but the fact is they've got the best stadium in the UK the Champions League final two years ago uh, they've got some of the best they've got one of the best players in the world and some other pretty good players and they've got the best training ground in the UK so you know, why would, who would not want to manage a team like that apart from Guardiola and Klopp? It's, I mean, is there something to be said for the fact that maybe they moved a little bit late, which seems, you know, mad given they sat to manager before the end of the season and started the ball rolling before then. But if you look at like Germany, where I think we've written on the athletic that Spurs have been looking quite, quite deeply for managers. So Marco Rosa has already agreed to go from Gladbach to Dortmund, hasn't he? And hasn't Jesse Marsh signed for Leipzig already. Is that yeah. right? And obviously Nagelsmann's going from Leipzig to Bayern Munich and that's all already done. Mm. And Hansi Flick going from Bayern to the German national team who was yeah. Tottenham's you know, favourite choice a week or two ago. 
I mean, any of those four would appeal to me. I mean, this is my opinion, but any of those four would appeal to me more than like the candidates that we are actually talking about. And it does make you think, and this isn't just me trying to get my, they should have sat Mourinho in January or February thing out there again. But had they done that and put the process in place two months earlier, maybe, I mean, I think actually Rosa, I think that, I think that maybe even done even earlier than that because, um, what was his name? The previous Dortmund manager who got sacked in December. Favre. The Swiss guy, Favre, yeah, there you go. I mean, so I, I think they did that deal like over Christmas, so that, that would have been too late for that. But some of the others, you know, you do, even Nagelsmann, I think if they'd shown interest a couple of months earlier, I think that, I think that could have been, well, it certainly would have improved their chances. And, you know, again, I mean, it's, it's a ludicrous thing to suggest that, isn't it? You know, sack a manager even earlier, give a manager even less chance so you can look at the next one. I mean, it, you know, it's sort of counterintuitive, really. Yeah, but in this yeah. instance, you do wonder whether they could have had, uh, wider options better options had they moved a bit earlier might also have given them more chance of salvaging this season which you know by the by the time Mourinho was sacked it was a pretty tough ask to you know to get in the top four or you yeah. know, you know uh, Mason won four out of six league games didn't he which is you know not not bad at all yeah. but they were still nowhere near getting in, in the top four by the end Six league games nowhere near enough. They obviously, you know, I mean, it's easy to say now, but obviously they should have sat Mourinho before they did. Anyway, uh, we're going to run through some season awards. So, category number one, player of the season who isn't Harry Kane. James. Uh, I mean, my instinct was to say Son, but I do think he dropped off quite a lot in the last kind of three or four months of the season. And I, and I do think fatigue is a big part of that. Because he's played so much football. Yeah. The other one who I'd say similar thing of would be Hoiberg, who, again, I think started incredibly well the first half of the season. He was like a a massively crucial figure to the success that they were having. But since maybe February, he's looked like like he's absolutely shot, basically. And, you know, it's unfortunate he's been playing in the Euros because he could definitely do a break. So I'd say one of those two. I'll say Son. I know it's probably quite a boring answer, but I'd say just about him. No, I think that's fair enough. I'd go along those two. I think Hugo Lloris has got a shout. And that seems, uh, you know, maybe not the most glamorous, you know, to go with a goalie in a season where Spurs haven't had, you know, not exactly been rock solid defensively. But I think he's been, he's actually been very consistent, you know, having had some moments over the previous couple of seasons where you thought, you know, you had your kind of head in your hands thinking what's happened here. But uh, I think he's actually had... um, I think he's had a pretty solid season. So I'd mention him in dispatches and then, uh, yeah, then it probably is between Son and Hoybier. I think I would give Son just because even if he hasn't maintained it, the first half of the season was so, so good. And and that did obviously coincide with when Spurs were doing really well. So I think I would would just about give it to Son. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with Son as well. Um, Was it 17 Premier League goals, 10 Premier League assists? That's 27 Premier League goal contributions. Uh, you can't argue with that, even though he, he obviously has tailed off a fair bit in the second half of the season, as have a lot of people. Uh, most disappointing player of the season, Charlie? <laughs> it's a crowded field, isn't it? I mean, from if you do it purely on expectations before to what they achieved, I think it's hard to look beyond Deli Alley because you know this is a guy who has achieved so much, had achieved so much going into the season and then has barely featured. Obviously, there are big mitigating factors there. It's whether you think it's uh, his fault uh, necessarily or it was the the previous manager's fault but just purely based on output compared to expectation I think he'd, he'd have to be right up there and then also it kind of pains me to say it um, and, and maybe this is just because I had unrealistic expectations but when Regulon sort of started I, I was so excited about him I, I thought he was just exactly what Tottenham had been 
missing. He he hit the ground running. He I thought he was a complete fan's favourite. And maybe it is just one of those, we've seen it a lot of times, players coming to a new league, they start well and then tail off as the kind of physical demands get the better of them. So maybe we'll see kind of a return to how he started in the second season. But um, yeah, I'd say him, um, he's just not quite been what I what I hoped he would be. Yeah, Reguilón is one of the three I've written down. I mean, I, if if a listener to this podcast wanted to do like a supercut of all the times early in the season when uh, I, I use the phrase, but he can't defend. <laughs> I, I mean, that was obvious even from that first game against Chelsea, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we gave. He was at fault for their goal, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, he just can't, he can't defend. And I know the the own goal last week against Villa was was a freak, but. He had like a shot on target on Hugo Lloris in the previous two games as well. Oh, yeah. In the Leeds game immediately before Dallas scored. And there was one in the Wolves game as well yeah. that he knocked back to Lloris. So he's like done it three games in a row. So it's not, you know, obviously it is like unfortunate. But I don't think it's like, you can say it's a complete freak. So yeah, he would definitely be one that I think needs to improve. I mean, he obviously had good qualities uh, going forward, but defensively in a team like that, you need you need to be able to offer more, you know. I would say, like, he's no better than Aurier, I don't think, in what we've seen this season. I mean, I know they're playing opposite positions, but I like. I just think he has, like, similar strengths and weaknesses. Obviously, he's quicker, but I, it, it just, I think he causes similar problems. Lo Celso, you know, we were very effusive about him on this podcast in a sort of middle third of last season, third quarter of last season. Didn't do anything after the restart last season. I remember us talking about that. And this season, obviously, he's had injuries and whatever else, been in and out of the team. He just hasn't offered enough. And Dyer, Eric Dyer, <laughs> who I think we all kind of thought at the start of the season would offer something at centre-back and, and that would be like his longer-term position. But, I mean, he's been another one who I think has regressed over the season. He's just looked... Uh, I mean, against Villa on Wednesday night, he—I mean, he was just—he was all over the place. So it was—it was proper heads gone stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I would have concerns about that as a long-term option. I know there are coaching issues there to be discussed, but um, yeah, not great. There are an absolute wealth of options to yeah. choose from. <laughs> well, it leaves—it leaves the Ndombele question hanging, Jack, as to whether yeah. you know, do you think he's been disappointed. I mean, the fact is that I've got two options who I don't think have even been mentioned yet. And they're Matt Doherty, who I think has been really bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, That's almost yeah, too obvious. Very high expectations for, for him, but he's not really made an impact at all. Uh, I think Aurier has been a better player throughout the season, which tells its own story. Uh, I've been kind of frustrated by Harry Winks, who obviously didn't really get much of a look in under Mourinho. Uh, I was hoping that he'd be more involved. Uh, under, he's played a bit under Mason, played, played the League Cup final, played the last two Premier League games, but I just don't feel at the moment like he's, you know, uh, close to getting back. I mean, look, it depends on who the new, new manager is. But right now, he's obviously lost his place in the England squad. You know, it's kind of big questions going to next season. Great tactical foul, though, on uh, Ian Atchett. God, that was bad. He should have got sent off for that. No. I, I think it's like, it's a yellow it's a yellow for recklessness and a yellow for for professional, being a professional foul, in my mind. Uh, anyway, um, Delhi and Dyer are obviously ones as well. I think pretty pretty ropey this season so goal of the season what do you reckon James I really like that Bale one and I can't think who it was against now the one Sheffield away in United? Europe no oh Lint Lask Lintz where La- he smashed yeah. it top corner one of his first goals so there's something good, there's something really good about that and that was the moment that I think he should have been then like in a team more regularly and, and you know oh no that was Wolfsburger like, wasn't it in, in, in yeah, the, in right, the knockout round yeah, yeah. yeah you're right it was yeah 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 okay fine so I've confused two things and it actually was when he started playing well wasn't it uh, I, and yeah there are a few others I mean uh, the Son goal against Arsenal was uh, 
you know, the height of Spurs counter-attacking football. I mean, obviously the fact is against Arsenal gets you a few bonus points and it was like an unbelievable strike and it had the benefit of being one that I knew wasn't going to be ruled out by VAR, which... Uh, I mean, even that though, you, you can never be sure. <laughs> there could easily have been like a foul or a minor handball in the build-up. There's no way you can ever be, be safe. That is true. What about you, Charlie? Yeah, well, it's interesting you... <laughs> You mention uh, goals against Arsenal, but don't. Uh, I, I know you kind of want to wipe the Lamela the, the Rabona from the record because it was in a defeat, but I think that has to be the goal of the season, doesn't it? I mean, that was a goal for the ages. I mean, it's one match for the day's goal of the season. Right, yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that, it does have a big. Because he got sent off and Spurs lost the game. And that was really the point that things started to unravel, I think, really for Mourinho, wasn't it? They would kind of be doing. That was just off the back of the decent run they'd had when Bale came in the team. Yeah. And then they went um, out of Europe a few days later. Yeah, and it all just started to kind of fall apart. This one, it looked like maybe they would be okay after all. So yeah, I can't. I can't say that. I mean, you know, good luck to him. But uh, has he scored since then? I'm not sure he has. It's probably I his last goal. So. I mean, isn't that's his only Premier League goal of the season? I think. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, I think that his previous one to that was September 2019. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think. I think for me, it would have to. It would have to be that team performance this season, guys. It's got to be. There's not many to choose from, but there are there yeah, were some I'll very good it, ones. Yeah, it's got to be United away. That's six one, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah surprise of the season or thing thing that we got wrong well <laughs> i mean that that that's i'm sure there's a lot lots to choose from having listened back to our season predictions i mean sort of touched on it i guess in some of the players that have been disappointing because i i really did think regulon um was, was going to be brilliant i mean more broadly in that november december period uh when spurs look really good i i thought they were absolutely going to get top four but it's interesting as well i was looking at it uh, after a year of Mourinho, we polled our fans, and and he was so popular at that time. Obviously, it was it was around the time of like the City win, um, Spurs going top. But um, I think yeah, it was like ninety odd percent, ninety four percent said he was either doing a good job or very good job. Sixty two point four percent said he was doing a good job. Yeah, and then thirty one point nine said very. It's crazy how how quickly that all changed and yeah. that swung because I remember like the the City game was like a really good performance albeit against City you know, when they weren't at their best and then the Chelsea game the following week obviously they beat Arsenal as well the Chelsea game the following week where, where they were like properly penned in and really didn't offer that much but they like kept Chelsea at arm's length generally and I don't think Chelsea had loads of good chances and it did just feel like there was a steal there that I hadn't really seen in a Spurs team before or not too often and that the idea that that could, have, could so quickly all kind of unravel yeah. over the course of like sort of six weeks. It is crazy how quickly it changed. Yeah, that was a big surprise how quickly. Like I, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, they, they're not necessarily going to sustain this form. But for it to go from that to to where they were only a couple months later was was pretty extraordinary. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think that, so I was link, I was going back and listening to our podcast and starters for to set up the season. I, I predicted Spurs would probably come about fourth with a sort of points tally in the high sixties, low seventies, and um, obviously, you know, for a while it looked like they were going to exceed that and might even win the league or or do better than that. But what was surprising to me was that I didn't re- I did, just didn't expect them to bottom out this quickly. I thought that the collapse would come next season. Mm. I kind of didn't realize that the player, the Mourinho would alienate the whole squad, or not the whole squad, Mourinho would alienate a significant number of the players uh, within basically just 13, 14 months of taking over. And really, that's that's the key fact of the season. And also the reason why it failed, and the reason why Daniel Levy 
big gamble didn't pay off. Is there anything else we got wrong? Anything else we didn't expect? I mean, we all thought Doherty would be a good signing. Mm, we yeah. we, we did, pretty, yeah. Yeah, unified on that. I mean, I think it's funny because we all put Doherty and Hoybier in the same category of just like shrewd, sensible yeah, Premier League signings. And Hoybier has been exactly that and Doherty's been anything but. But I guess when you look at it and say that's probably... Uh, they might not think that's the worst thing in, in kind of an economic sense. Like you've had sort of a, I, I mean, they are kind of sensible signings, but they are sort of also a bit of a punt. And if Hoiberg like improves a team that could potentially be pushing for Champions League next season, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and Doherty just doesn't work out, then you've paid what, like just under £30 million pounds yeah. for a, you know, a player that works out and you get a bit back from Doherty when you sell him. So if we've got any other, any other lessons or any other reflections on the season before we look at, before we look at who who should be sold in the summer. Have you got any other final thoughts? Well, clearly it all fell apart when I went on paternity leave. So don't let that happen again. That that feels very careless from a Spurs point of view. And then going back the previous season, I mean, we look at the talking about manager appointment now and how important that is. Got to get that right. That, that, you know, however you look at it, that was a huge, huge call from Levy, the Pochettino sacking and the Mourinho appointment. And, Given how little time Mourinho lasted, you'd have to say that's um, that's a lesson he's got to use about getting the right manager, the right profile of manager. James, I don't feel like you're going to miss this miss this season. No, definitely not. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. I, I am also glad it glad it's over and Spurs don't have Spurs aren't playing again for a while. It's been uh, yeah, it's been pretty long, and um, I just feel like it's just a massive missed opportunity for the club. You know, yeah, to, it is. They've got like Harry Kane's one of the best players in the world, and this he's he's playing the best he's ever played. And Hyungman Son is an exceptionally good player who's also playing very well. And they've also got good players in other positions, and they've and they've been terrible this year. They're, they came seventh. Also, I don't think the league has been good this year. No, like I just think look at the number of t- you know look at like West Ham. Even just to look at West Ham, one position above, they've basically tried the hardest to throw to throw like top six away in the last three or four weeks. You know some of their results: Newcastle, Brighton, whatever. And they've ended up finishing sort of quite comfortably above Spurs in the end. Liverpool, in even like as recently as March, was sort of miles off the pace for top four, absolutely nowhere. Chelsea had sort of half a crap season and then uh, like fell away at the end and still got top four. Leicester, again, same as last season, haven't quite managed to get over the line and, you know, they, they left the door open. Manchester United have finished second on a fewer points and I think Spurs have finished fourth on before. Mm. I mean, it's just <laughs> like... They wouldn't have had to have been exceptionally good to have got to comfortably have got top four. You know, you can only need to. You know, they would if they had if they'd held on. This is just in the last eight games. If they'd held on to beat Newcastle and they'd held on to beat Villa, got those five extra points, they would have been in the Champions League. Yeah, and you just think like they wouldn't have even had to have had a good season for that to have happened. Totally, and you're, he- not, you're not talking about like oh, if they, if they had beaten Chelsea and Leicester at home, you know, they would have they- exactly and he. Even that's at a point where they tossed away so many points. You know, that's not even getting into like the Fulham at home, the Wolves away, the Palace away, all of those. I agree. Like, I think if you, to finish in the top four, we said it in our preview pod, you need one of or a couple of, you know, the inverted commas big six to be shit. And they have been this season. Yeah, you get that every season though, right? Every season there will be at least one. To varying degrees. I think, I think to have like two or three, like, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal have obviously been terrible, but Liverpool and Chelsea have left the door so wide open this season. Um, yeah. And and, I, and you just, you know, you think that's not um, that's not always going to happen. Liverpool, who I, in our pre-season predictions pod, I said would uh, do what they've done. I'm, I'm really pleased with that. A, a rare good prediction. 
What was your rationale there? I was saying basically what's happened. I said I thought they could have burnout. I thought they could have a kind of last season Pochettino at Tottenham, last season Klopp's Dortmund that I just didn't think they'd be able to sustain this level. It's, it's very rare I get something like that right. So yeah, so, so this morning I was listening back to our podcast to set up the whole season. It's quite interesting for the predictions. The standout prediction is obviously Charlie saying that Liverpool were going to have a burnout season. I made the very difficult prediction that Kane was going to have a great season. Mm. Uh, Charlie picked out Bergwijn. James picked out Sessegnon as players to shine this year. Sessegnon's um, done all right though, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, he has. He has. Uh, James says he doesn't think any other Premier League team has improved their starting level as much as Spurs have. Uh, James did make the really pressing point that uh, talking about how Spurs is approaching games when they're one 0 up, saying he think it might be a, it might be an issue over the course of the season. Uh, I think looking at was it the West Ham and Everton games in sort of June July last year. I got hammered for that, by the way. I got I got hammered for that after that West Ham yeah. game. I remember being yeah. like annoyed that they only won that game two 0 and people were saying you're talking rubbish. But it was it was exactly right. I was really harsh on Solskjaer again, which is something which I did quite a lot of grief for. Some people have seen that on Twitter, haven't they? I think. <sighs> I just think we were a little bit too, like we said a minute ago, I think we were all a little bit caught off guard by how quickly things unraveled for Spurs, which in retrospect means that we we looked a little bit too bullish and optimistic, even if at the time our predictions made sense. You do wonder in a weird way, if it hadn't started quite so well, whether things would have not unraveled as quickly, if you know what I mean? Mm. Like if it hadn't gone top, if they'd been like bubbling under yeah. and been sort of fourth or fifth at Christmas... Like all the kind of issues behind the scenes that clearly came to a head perhaps wouldn't have been as prevalent and maybe uh, maybe it would have been allowed to kind of go at that sort of level. I think that's a really good point because they were always like, oh, somehow, it was, the, it was the kind of season where them and Everton always seemed to only be a few points off the top four no matter how many matches they lost. And like if they just sort of bubble, as you say, carried on around that level, that was more or less where most people thought they would be during the season. So it wouldn't have felt like a sort of sharp decline. Whereas obviously having been top and then sunk to seventh, but still only four points behind the top four, it, it did feel as if they were moving really in the wrong direction. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We've got to run through the players who are going to keep or sell. Uh, this is the last bit of, of today's podcast, just because it's going to be a massive clear out summer and there's so many players I think they should get rid of. So we're going to keep it incredibly simple. So we, we did this about halfway through the season and now uh, let's see if things have changed or if uh, if we've gone off the players and we want to get rid of them all, which is what I probably suspect. <laughs> Okay, let's start from top, do it in position order. We'll go, let's just keep it consistently, uh, James and Charlie, otherwise it'll just, we'll just get muddled up. Just okay. one, word, one word answers, right? One word People answers. Sell. One word answers, but okay. we're presumably thinking a little bit that if we did have to sell them, we would also have to replace them, so... Yeah, you can't be realistic. Yeah, we can't just get rid of everyone. Okay. Lloris. Keep. 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 Heart dog. Keep. 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 Uh, Serge Sell. Keep. Sell. Matt Doherty. Sell. 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 Sergio Reguilon. Keep. 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 Uh, ben Davis. Sell. Keep. Sell. Uh, Ryan Sessignon. Keep. 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 Uh, Toby Alderweireld. Sell. Mm, between Dyer and... Sorry, I know it's many one word answers. Between Do- Toby and Dyer, keep or sell one of them, depending on kind of what the interest is. That's all. Keep. Eric Dyer. Keep. Covered in my previous answer. <laughs> Keep uh, Davinson Sanchez. Sell. 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 Uh, Joe Roden. Keep. Keep. Keep uh, Jaffa Tanganga. Loan. Oh no, wait. He can play in the conference league. Keep. Keep. Uh, keep. Uh, one fourth. He's going to go, isn't he? So sell. Keep him. Sell. That's great. Uh, Hoiberg. Keep. 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 Harry Winks. So this is one of the ones I'm changing from last time. Sell. 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 Uh, Oliver Skip. Keep. 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 Uh, Musa Sissoko. Sell. 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 Uh, Tangi and Dombele. Keep. 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 Uh, Giovanni Lo Celso. Sell. Keep. Keep. He's sick. Uh, Eric Lamella. Sell. Sell. Sell and build a statue. <laughs> uh, Deli Alley. What's he doing in the statue? The Rabona or like... Elbowing something. Yeah, the Rabona. Jack Wilshire. Jack, no, he's got to have like Jack Wil- all up in Jack Wilshire's face. Sorry, who was the next one? Deli Alley. Keep. Keep. Sell. Stephen Bergwijn. What? You might what? get a lot of money for Deli Alley. Just think about it. Spurs oh don't God, have many yeah. sellable assets right now. They don't <laughs> have many players who can sell and make money. <laughs> Yeah, but they wouldn't get a fiver for some of these players. Oh my god! Whereas uh, um, keep, keep Bergwijn, keep Bergwijn. 
Yeah, keep yeah. Bergvine. Keep uh, Gareth Bale. Uh, yeah, go on, sign him. Yeah, I've, this is one I've changed. I would now say keep. Keep Hugmanson. Keep. 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 Lucas Moura. Keep. Sell. Sell. Harry Kane. Loan, I think, for him. <laughs> yeah, loan. Get, Get some first team I've minutes. Seen someone, I've seen someone suggest that he could go on loan to City for a season and win everything and then just go back. <laughs> That's that. perfect, right? It's perfect. <laughs> Tweet of the year. I'd keep him. Apologies to whoever it was they tweeted that. I've stolen your great joke. Or serious suggestion. Yeah, I think uh, keep. Yeah, keep. And uh, Carlos Vinicius. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, he's going to go online to Roma from Benfica. I think, yeah. yeah. I think it's a... Yes, he is. Thanks for the memories. We'll, al- we'll always have that Marine hat trick. That goal from a yard out that he celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, that was one of the moments of the season. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, farewell, Carlos Vinicius. It's been it's been emotional, but um, you're probably going to a better place. Uh, <laughs> He's not dead. Anyway, I think that's probably all we've got time for on this week's season wrap up podcast. Uh, but thank you very much to everyone, all of our listeners this season, for interacting and listening and sending us comments and questions and DMs. And um, please keep them coming over the summer. And of course, thank you to James and to Charlie and producer Tom uh, for helping us with the show. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.